0: The leaders of the Gibeonites dress themselves up in, in rags and, and make themselves look like a, they've gone on this long journey from a long ways off. And they come to Joshua and they say, we're from far away, but we've heard all the great things that your God has done for you. And we want to be in covenant with you because we, we know that your God is greater. And, we, and, and, and you know, they know kind of do the whole brown nose thing and, and kiss up a little bit. And so Joshua says, okay, we, we'll let you be in covenant with us. Only to come to find out that there were Gibeonites, which was the next place he was going um, to take over anyway. So, now they're in a situation to where the people beyond Gibeon that were going to be the next line after Gibeon, we're, about to be, we're going, oh great, now we've got Israel, right, Israel right on our doorstep. And so what they, what they did is the, these, five, these five kings and then the king of Jerusalem decided they're going to come in and, and, and fight against Gibeon because of the th- decision they made with Israel. So now Joshua picks up their problems too. And so right here we start off in verse 6 of Joshua chapter 10. It says, And the men of Gibeon sent J- to sent Joshua at the camp of Gilgal saying, do not relax your hand from your servants. The reason I said servants is because Joshua said, Fine, since you tricked us, you're going to be our timber cutters and our water carriers. So, you know, they just took, took upon a life of slavery, basically, but um, bad decisions, and that's a whole other message in itself. But, come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country are gathered against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, honored his word, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal, and the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon, and chased them <coughs> by way of the ascent of Beth-horon, and struck them as far as Azekah and Makkadah. Now, as they fled before Israel, they were going down the ascent of Beth-horon. the Lord caused large stones from heaven um, to. F- threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones, and the sons of Israel killed with the sword. And at that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, he said, Sun, stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is it not written in the the book of Jasher? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There's been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Two things I want to pay attention to remember, remember there. Verse 12, where it says, Joshua spoke to the Lord. And then in verse 14, it says, the Lord heeded the voice of man. We're going to hit on those two points here shortly. But um, how many of y'all know that, that um, there, there are what, what we like to call extra-biblical books out there that that fall in line with the Bible that possibly could have even been used as Scripture, but God didn't see fit to put them in the canon of what we, what we call the Bible today? And so there's a book out there called the Book of Joshua. There's a book of Enoch. There's, there's several out there that... that that you can use not as gospel because God didn't choose to put them in the Bible, but you can use them as, as, um, as reference materials to look in this. And so since the Bible mentioned the book of Jasher, I thought well, I would look up in the book of Jasher, and it really is there. It's not some mythological weird book that, no, that the Bible mentioned. No, there really is a book of Jasher. You can go out on Amazon and buy it if you want to. But remember, it's not the Bible. It's just something that kind of confirms some things. Now, in the book of Jasher, it talks about the same, same instance, and it says, and while they were smiting. That's cool where we don't use enough anymore. Smite. I might start using that some more here, but anyways. Um, the day was declining toward evening, and Joshua said in the sight of all the people, Son, thou stand still upon Gibeon, the moon, in the valley of Ajalon, until the nation shall have revenge upon its enemies. The Lord hearkened to the voice of Joshua. Hearken, that's another good word. And the sun stood still in the midst of the heavens, and it stood still six and thirty moments. And that's an interesting number. That, trans- that, that corresponds over to twenty-three hours and twenty minutes is how long the sun actually stopped. Almost a full day. And so the moon stood still, and hastened not go down for a whole day. And it was not no day like that before or after, where the Lord hearkened to the voice of man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Now, if you'll look, this, if you look this, this miracle up anywhere and start trying to research it, you will find that there is all kinds of, I don't want to call conspiracies, but all kinds of people try to figure out if this really did happen or not. And that's kind of what we get stuck in sometimes as believers. We, we get stuck asking the wrong questions. The thing we've got to realize as a believer is that the, the spectacular things, the miracle things, they're not, they're not there to make us pay attention to them. They're there to draw our attention to God. And so if you're not asking the right questions, of course you're going to get the wrong answer. You can ask anyone that's in, in, in an educational field. It's not a matter of getting a, to teaching a child the right answer. It's a matter of if you get them, to ask, get them to ask the right question, it will lead them to the right answer. And so same thing when you're studying the Bible. If you can ask the right questions, you'll get the right answers from the Holy Spirit. Now, like I said, while this is an amazing miracle that displays the power of Almighty God, our focus must remain on the God of the miracle and not the miracle itself. So here's some of these questions that, that you'll hear. Like, did God really stop the earth for that day? And of course all the science say, well, if he did, if you stop something really quickly, you imagine a, a truck with a bunch of water in the back, If you stop it real quick, what happens? <laughs> Same thing, well, if the earth would have stopped, then we would have been taken over by water. And so all this stuff comes into play, well, did that really happen? And, uh, and so we start asking questions about the scientific side of it and not the God-reasoning side of it. And so, or, or were the stones from heaven connected to the earth-stopping? Or was this caused by a near collision with Mars? Or some stuff and, and there's all kinds of stuff. That, well, in that day, they think that Mars' orbit intersected with Earth's orbit, so that when we went by Mars, we got well, that's where the stones came from. And so maybe it wasn't God that did that. Well, even if it wasn't, even if that was the case, the fact that it happened at the very right moment when it had to happen when Joshua said so is a miracle in itself. So, But, but see, this, all these questions kind of go the wrong way, but this is what a lot of people are asking. Or, or were there other places on Earth? So if the whole Earth stopped, then surely it wasn't just that area that saw the... Saw the, saw the um, the sun stands still. And if you look in some Mayan and Aztec historical records, it actually did have, they, had, of course, on the other side of the earth, they actually had a, a day that they recorded where the night lasted twice as long as it should have. It stayed dark over here because of was light over there. And so there are things that prove that. But the thing is, and asking these questions, does that draw you any closer to the heart that God had in this situation? Not at all. So here, here's, the, here's the question you ask. What was it that caused God to move in this situation? You know, what was so special about Joshua? What, what, was, in jo- what, was, the, what was Israel doing that they caused God to, to move on their behalf? And see, that's what draws you closer to what God has in mind and God's principles. So, instead of asking the wrong questions, and being led to the wrong conclusions, which caused doubt concerning who God is, you asked the right question. And so here's the thing you've got to realize. The emphasis of any search or study should be a search for truth and should draw your attention to his faithfulness and goodness, not the quote-unquote mysterious ways that he works. No, because we, we as we as Christians we can't understand some or try to explain some. We say, well, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Maybe at first, but as you get to know Him, it shouldn't be so mysterious anymore. Correct. So instead of getting instead of getting ourselves enamored with the spectacular, we get so caught up in in, in, in these signs and wonders. We, you know, and this is free. We shouldn't be so enamored with the spectacular. The spectacular should be normal to us. The outside world should be enamored with the spectacular and be drawn to God because of it. But instead, us as Christians are so, oh, it was a miracle. A miracle should be a normal occurrence in the daily life of a believer. The spectacular, the supernatural should be something that just follows us around because of who we are in Christ. You know. So instead of seeking to try and, and here's what happens a lot of times whenever whenever stuff happens we can't explain, and we know what we kind of think about it, what we're trying to do is we're trying to prove our theory through what the Bible says rather than seeing what the Bible says and developing an answer from that because I don't want to be proven wrong, so I'm going to find every scripture in the Bible that goes along with what I think. I'm just going to go on those and not take the Bible as a whole. And it's, 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 this is where a lot, of, a lot of divisions in different churches come from because people aren't seeking the truth as a whole. They're seeking to prove what they think is right. And look how big this thing is. You can make this thing say anything you want it to if you took the right words out. I mean, it's just, and so, and so we've got to realize we need to be seeking the truth that will draw us closer to the heart of God. And so ask questions like, why did God honor Joshua's request? What's revealed about his character through this miracle? God's character, that is. What, bi- what biblical principles was God honoring by performing this miracle? See, all these things will draw you closer and show you more about the heart of God, as opposed to beating you all enamored with how the earth may be stopped and stood still for a day, which that's a great thing and that'd be cool. I'd like to see that. No, I like sleep too much. Never mind. Um, asking the right questions will lead you to answers from the Holy Spirit. Where asking the wrong questions, you know, like I said, will lead you to answers that you kind of come up on your own. Now. The right answer will, 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 will reveal a better picture of who God is, his love, and his purposes. So when you're asking these questions, is this question bringing you to a place where you're seeing a better picture of God, or are you in a place to where um, you're, you're more confused than when you started? If you are, just ask a different question. Or ask God what question to ask. Even better. Now, let's talk about the voice of authority for just, for just a minute here. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verses 6 and 13. Now, the, the whole section is good, but... Um, these two verses um, kind of encapsulate it, so I wanted to um, pull these out now. For, it says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give light, to the no- light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, we as believers are to speak light into dark situations. You know, any, time God, when God said light be, you ever notice that? He didn't, he didn't make the world first. He said light be first. You know, the Bible says, The entrance of thy words bring light. And so when we, when we, we want to speak, dark, when we see a dark situation, we situ- see a situation that, that doesn't line up with the Word, what we need to do, we need to speak light into it. And what was light? Well, the light's the Word of God, whether that be through revelation from His Holy Spirit, what to speak, or whether that be through the Word. When you speak what God would speak, you're speaking light into that situation. And so our job is to make sure that we are speaking life and light, because like the Bible says in, in John chapter 1, life, that life was the light of men. And so the light that we have is, 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 is bringing us light from God. So the reason God created light first is because he knew that light was key to life. And more importantly, not sunlight, but the light of the word of God that he spoke, bringing glory when he spoke, is what was going to sustain life on this earth. Now, let's go on here. It says, since we have that same spirit of faith, amen, that's a great promise. Same spirit of faith as God's got, right? That's us, that's me and you. To what has been written, it says, I believed and so I spoke. Now we also believe and we also speak. Now, we need to be the ones that we hear from God and we speak what God is saying. And so we've got to get to that place to where, where like Joshua did, Joshua learned a very, very valuable lesson at Jericho. Our pastor gave an amazing, amazing example last week of how when the Israelites shouted, it wasn't so much just the fact that, that, um, that their, their great praise voice brought the walls down. No, when they shouted, the Ruach spirit of God came out of their mouth and caused a change in the situation. Same, same thing here. We've got to get to the place where when we speak, we hear the voice of God, we speak the light of God into a situation. We speak the life of God in, into those situations because we've heard from God and we know what to speak. Now, if you've got religious toes on, curl them up real quick because this, this, might, this might cause you to, um, to, to throw a rock at me. But when you have the Spirit of God indwelling you, your voice will carry the same weight as God's. That's right. people, don't, people, don't, people don't realize that. God has anointed you, and so when God's put His Spirit on the inside of you, if you're speaking what's ordained by God, if you're speaking under the unction of the Holy Spirit, your voice carries the same weight as God Himself. And that's not far-fetched. That's what God intended. That's what God put on Adam when He put him in the garden. He said, You have dominion over this earth. I give you authority, so when you speak, stuff's got to happen. Same thing with us. When we speak, stuff ought to be happening because we're speaking in line with the Word of God. Now, that, like what I told you earlier, when, whenever we were talking about Joshua, it says Joshua spoke to the Lord, and then it says, he went, he, he went on and said, God hearkened to his voice. Here's the key. Talking to God or talking with God will cause you to talk like God. I'll say that again. Talk, talking to God or talking with God will cause you to talk like God. We've got to get to the place where we spend enough time talking with him, having conversations, learning from the Holy Spirit, that when we speak, we're speaking what the Holy Spirit would speak. We're speaking his very words. Now, the thing about Jericho, at Jericho, Joshua was obedient to not shout until the time when God said to. Very important um, very important point here. You know, they could have they they um, walked around that city, think about this, one time, six days, on that seventh day, but before they walked around that seventh time, they'd walked around the city 12 times. And this is a big city. Imagine us walking around Sulphur Springs at its outskirts that many times. And you know, we'd all be a lot thinner, that's for sure. But the thing, the, the thing about it is, they didn't the whole time, what, they, what did God say? He said, be quiet. He said, don't say a word, don't say anything until you get to the place where I tell you to shout. Why is that? Well, Jesus himself said that we'll be held accountable for every idle word that we speak. God doesn't want you saying stuff that's going to mess things up. You all been in those conversations with your spouse that are kind of heated sometimes, and you look back and go, I should have just gone. You know, because things were a whole lot better before I opened my mouth. Now, in defense of us guys out there sometimes, our brain stops when our blood pressure goes up. So ladies, we say some things because we're just, hey, hey, just, just a scientific fact, all right? I'm not just saying that. So, if we say something stupid in an argument, just know you didn't give us time to think about things. But, anyways, the answer doesn't always got to come right then. Anyways, <laughs> all right, now, now, next point. When what comes out of your mouth bears witness with God because it's the same thing that He would have said, then God is obligated to move. I can see God out there going, ooh, you took the words right out of my mouth. He's saying, that's my boy right there. You you know what to talk about. So we've got got to get to that place to where God is honoring what we speak because it's just what he would have said. And like I said, when he he says those things, because we know what he's saying because we've been talking to him, then we just repeat what he would have said. You know, I can a lot of times, most of the time, if somebody asks me what Amy thinks about something, I can pretty much tell you what she thinks. Not always. I'm still working on it. But I've had enough conversations with Amy to know that she would answer this way to a certain question. Same thing with God. You, would, you should know how God will respond to a situation because you've had enough conversations with him to know what he's going to say about something. You need to know his mind and his thoughts. Now, Joshua ten twelve, 12, we just kind of went over this. It says, the Lord heeded the voice of a man. That means God, God pretty much obeyed what Joshua said. Now, you must understand the power of your position. Now here, this is talking about authority. Authority is, is delegated, privilege or right. Our power, right? We've got, to, we've got to get in that place where we realize that God has given us authority. God has put this on our shoulders to begin to speak and begin to function on earth like he would, like he, like he would have functioned. Now, Joshua issued a bold command because he understood the weight that his voice would carry based upon the position in which God had placed him. You think back to what, what even when um, Pastor Joel talked about a few weeks ago about God being his banner and how, they, and they, how God said to recite these words in Joshua's ears. Same thing here. We need to make sure that we're reciting the words of God in our ears that we're hearing what we're what hearing God, what God said. Now, Joshua heard, remember God said, Today I will exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now, Joshua knew the authority of his position because he had submitted to that same position that Moses in which Moses was in several years before. So here's the thing you can't expect to understand authority and walk in authority until you submit to authority. And that's not something that we like to talk a lot about as a church. We're free. We just, you know, we're, we're just free will. We just do what the what, what Holy Spirit leads. We're just going to do it. No, this is an authority thing that God has set in place. Now, unlike Joshua, I probably wouldn't have stepped into that position. You know, as far as the pastor, that's his job. Don't ever think that I want this job. He's got big shoulders because he works out. But, um. I don't want to have that big of shoulders. That, that is not how I'm wired. Now, un, un, unless God would lead somehow and put that mantle on me, I don't ever see myself stepping into that position. Why? Because I, that's not how God wired me. But at the same time, I've got to realize that, that God has placed someone in authority over me that I'm submitted to That in order for me to walk in the blessing of God and know, what, and know how to function. Not that, not that my, my calling is the same as his, but if I'm going to function all that God's call for me, I'm going to submit to the authority that God's put over me. And so, because I submit to the authority of him living out his calling, that God enables me through that to live out my calling because I've submitted to that authority. So, whatever your calling is, submit to the authority in your life so that God can advance you through that. Side lesson, just enjoy that. All right. Now, here's, 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 a, here's a better example Matthew chapter 8, and verses 8 through 10, and verse 13. This, this is where Jesus healed the centurion servant. He said, Lord, not that I'm worthy to come on, your, come on my roof, but only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority. With soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes; another come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marvelled at those who, and said to those who followed him, Truly I say to you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. And the centurion to Jesus said, Go, let it be done done as you have believed. And the servant was healed from that very moment. Now, I said, Joshua had seen the waters part. He's seen the face-to-face encounters with God. He's seen the glory on the mountain. And so whenever Joshua took up this position that he was in, he realized the weight in this position. So when he realized the weight of this position, he realized the weight of his words. It's the same thing with us. When we realize the position we're in as children of God and we realize that we are seated in heavenly places, that we are, that we are under the blessing and we're under the covenant with God and he looks at us as his children and we are princes and princesses in the kingdom and we, and we have authority and we walk in that authority and we realize that the heaviness of that position, the, the weight of our words will carry more. Until we realize the weight of our position, we won't realize the weight of our words. We've got to get to a place where we understand how heavy our words are based upon the, based upon the position that we're seated in. And so, until you understand and get revelation of, of who you are in Christ, your words aren't going to weigh very much. And not that, not that you're not saying the right thing, but you don't have the right kind of faith behind them because you haven't understood and got revelation of who you are in Christ. You've got to speak from who you are, not from what you hope will happen. We get, we get stuck in that position a whole lot. Well, let's just, let's just say it till it happens. There's a little bit to that, but then you're, now you're getting into magic spells and potions, really, is what you're doing. You've got you to get to that place to where you get a revelation, not so much of the power of words, but the power of the position that you're seated in. Because when you understand who you are, and we understand the, the weight that God's put on you and the, and the, and the, and the responsibility and authority He's placed on you, when you understand that, you'll understand that what I say has got to go. I'm in charge now. Basically, you know, I mean, what, what I say is going to happen. Why? Because the, all the authority, like Jesus said, in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go. In other words, take this authority that I've got and go with it. When you put that weight upon you, you take that mantle, when you take that responsibility and begin to get a revelation of who God has made you to be in Christ, your words will carry a whole lot more weight. And so you understand that when you speak, something's got to happen. And faith is automatically released with that. Ephesians 2, 6 says, and I just quoted it, it says, God raises up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ. So we speak from our position as a son or a daughter of God Almighty. Now, the reason why most people don't watch their mouth is because they don't understand the position and the authority that comes with it. So, your position, where God has seated you, where, where, where God has placed you in the heavenly realms to, to bring his kingdom to pass here on the earth, that same, way, that, that, that same, that same ideal that he's given you is what's going is what, is to carry you into, into speaking the proper things. If you knew that everything you said, the moment you said it, would come to pass, you probably change the way you talked a lot of times. I mean, and, and this isn't supposed to be a message upon strictly how you speak, but the, at the same time, when you take up that position, when you understand who you are, you know, th- think think about this with jo- with Joshua. He'd been talking to God. He knew he knew what he knew what needed to happen. He knew the God the, the God job. Given him. And here and here's the thing: Joshua didn't look at the fact that they were probably tired. They've been marching all night. They've been fighting all day. Now the sun is about to go down down. But Joshua said, "The job's not done yet, God. Can you just stop, stop?" So he says, "Stop, sun. Stop, moon." I'd have kept on going. I said, "Cool breeze, a little bit of a cloud cover, thank you." you know, I'd, I'd have kept right on. I'd have, you know, because us us pasty white people need need a little bit of shade. But <laughs> the the, the, th- the thing the thing about it is we've got to, we've got to understand that the very thing God God wanted to happen, Joshua already knew because he'd been speaking to God. So he just spoke it out. The same thing. When, when you let God speak to you about your situation, he'll tell you what to say, and you'll speak just as it was the voice of God himself. And you begin to see things happen, things change, and you watch God take, take, um, take authority in that, in that situation and watch your situation change. And so like I said before, we need to stop talking about our situation, start talking to our situation. Start, start, asking, start asking God not to speak to us through our circumstance, but ask God to speak to us about our circumstance. Because when he speaks to you about your circumstance, he'll tell you what to say to get rid of your circumstance. When Jesus, when Jesus was looking at the mountain, you know I'm, I'm I'm a firm believer that Jesus didn't just say, say there was a mountain in the background. He looked for the biggest thing he could find. and said, if you just say to that mountain, jump in the sea, and you don't doubt that it can happen, it'll do it. So I'm sure that was a very, very foreign concept to what the disciples were thinking. But at the same time, he said with his own mouth, if you don't doubt in your heart, well, what brings doubt? Not having talked to God. Not knowing what he said. Not knowing what he spoke to you. So if we get past the place where we're not talking, where we don't, where we neglect our conversating with God and understand just exactly what he would say in a certain situation. When a situation comes, we'll know exactly what to say. It's, 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 quite, it's quite simple. Now, John fourteen twelve through 14 says, Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works will, than these will he do. You know, that's, that's, one, of them, that's one of the things that we're, you just get all excited about. We can do greater things than Jesus, that's all, but, but are we? Have we really taken time to put weight on the words that we speak? because I'm going to the Father. He said, whatever you ask in my name, this will I do. That's pretty bold. Jesus, I need this. Jesus, can we do this? Jesus, can you heal so and so? Jesus, asking his name, and he said, he said it'd be done for you. The, the problem is, like I said, we don't have enough conversations with God, we don't have, haven't spent enough time um, speaking things into existence to know if it can happen or not. Now, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, verse 14 says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, if you accept your position by placing faith, or also known as submitting, submitting to God, see, when, when, you, when, you step in, when you step into that place to where you say, I confess a lot that Jesus is Lord, what's that mean? That means you're submitting to His authority. That means when you're saved, that means you've submitted to the authority of Jesus in your life. When you get to that place, you, you receive that place of sonship as a work of redemption because, because of what Jesus did for you. Now, we've got we've to realize that being, being born again is simply that. It's submitting to the, thor- the authority of God in your life. It's saying, God, I've been doing it my way too long. Um, I know you're God and your way is probably better, so I'm going to submit to what you've got, and I'm going to receive the work that your son did. Now, upon that, you're, you're granted the authority to stop anything that hinders you from obtaining your victory. See, Joshua knew if it got dark that he couldn't finish the job that God had called him to do. How um, many of y'all know that, that sometimes dark tries to come into your life and you can't complete the mission God's called you to complete? We've got to be those people that speak light into those situations. Where, where we, if, there's, if there's dark places in your heart, in your life, begin to speak light, begin to speak the Word of God into that situation. If you don't know what God is saying to you directly, spend some time in His Word and you'll begin to know His character and you'll, know what, you'll begin to hear His voice and you'll begin to speak what God wants you to say. So as the worship team begins, begins to play, the altar call is pretty simple tonight. If you don't know who you are in Christ or you've never taken your position in Christ by being born again, we're definitely up here for, we're definitely up here for you for that. But I, want, but I believe most of us in here are probably born again. Most of us here have probably made that, made that commitment in our life. But a lot of us haven't stepped up into the position and taken on the responsibility and authority that God, God has wanted to put on your shoulders to begin to change these situations. Now, I'm as bad as anybody about... Not wanting to take on more responsibility because responsibility is spelled W-O-R-K. But there are some things in life that we need to, we need to be in a place where we're really to take, take the mantle that God's wanting to put on us and begin to step into what he's got for us. The, the thing about it is we, need, we do that through submitting to his authority and allowing him to begin to place that same authority upon us. God's, no, God's not trying to hold things back for you. God's not trying to keep you from obtaining things. God is trying to get you to be able to know him enough to where you speak the right things and light begins to form in dark situations. Light begins to form in, in the midst of your life where, where it's been very dark. In the midst of your family where, where there's darkness in a loved one's life that you know needs to come to Christ. God is ready for you to speak life into that situation. God is ready for you to speak light into that situation. God is ready for you to, to as the Bible says, remove the blinders from the eyes of those who, are, who, who don't know him. And see, the enemy tries to keep him in darkness. But how I many you know that perfect light casts out all fear, casts out all darkness, casts out anything that's not of God. So if you would stand with me tonight.